It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill. Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. That's right. Live Steiner's Pubs, uh, Ken Thompson. First hump day of the new year and a uh, great crowd over at Steiner's. A little earlier, kind of thinned out a little bit now, but still a lot of uh, good folks here coming up. Uh, you know, a couple people made it up to the table, got their free appetizer. Every time I give that offer out, it's taken up right away. And, uh, yeah, good stuff. Mark Lawrence going to join me in just a sec. Playbook Sports, bottom of the hour, right around 835, 840. Arthur DeCesar, Westgate Superbook. And hour number two, my good pal Chuck Hayes, back from City of Angels. We'll get into a lot of football throughout the next hour. Lots of stuff going on in the college hardwood. Some, boy, Duke getting smashed by NC State down in Raleigh. I love college hoops, man. This time of year, you get into conference play. I enjoy the non-conference play. Kind of get to see uh, later on as you get into the conference play, you start looking back at some of those non-conference games as you see how some of them are going to play into uh, the choosing of your teams for March Madness. NBA, a couple games going right now. Actually, three games going right now. Hawks lead the Kings at the half, 61-58. 52-48, Lakers at the half lead Miami. And 60-56, the Pistons up by four at Golden State. Warriors on a winning streak. Going to try and keep that going against my good pal Seawinds Pistons. Meanwhile, as far as on the ice, just three games on the ice. And uh, let me see. Well, let me see. Yes, two of them are still going. 3 nothing Minnesota. Second period about midway through, leading Tampa Bay and 2 nothing Anaheim, surprising Dallas as a plus 200 dog in Orange County, California. 2 nothing Ducks on top. The only other game final in the Motor City, all Devils tonight. They take care of business big time against the Detroit Red Wings, 5-1. The final game still stays under the total of 6.5. As I told you, plenty of college basketball, and I'll get to some of those games. There are some games going right now. I'll just give you those. Clemson leading in Blacksburg, a minute 41 to go over Virginia Tech, 63-60. Clemson playing good, solid ball. Got to give them credit. I'm on the wrong side of that one tonight. North Carolina up 8 on Wake Forest, 413 to go. Chapel Hill, 81-73. Northwestern pulling away from Illinois, and the Illini in some trouble now. Coach 
Underwood having trouble with the uh, boys from Champaign. 62-51 in Evanston. Northwestern up by 11. 3.36 to go in regulation. 72-65. Butler up by, now make it 74-66. Butler by 8. They're laying 8 in that game. So, game has already gone over the total of 136.5. But 74-66. Butler at the Hinkle Fieldhouse over DePaul. And again, an 8-point line right there on the number. Baylor leads TCU 79-76. Laying 6. The Bears are in Waco. 3.19 to go second half. And Jamie Dixon's Horned Frogs hanging right there. And 25-23 out of the gate up in Lawler Event Center, northern Nevada. It is in Reno with Nevada taking on Colorado State. 25-23, 9.36 still to go in the first half. And some really good games earlier. Texas A&M 66-63 beat Florida. And Gainesville, Michigan pulled away late, got the win in the cover in Ann Arbor over Penn State, 79-69. Cruising on down real quick before I get Mark. Davidson took out Loyola Chicago. Again, Sister Jean's school, not the same squad we've seen in the past. The Ramblers getting thumped by Davidson, 80-57. Big time route there. And uh, Villanova beats Georgia. Georgetown 73 to 57. Georgetown has now lost, I want to say, 25 straight Big East Conference games. Terrible. Georgia did beat Auburn. Bruce Pearl's team goes down by 12 in Athens, 76 to 64. And uh, Iowa State surprises Oklahoma on the road in Norman, 63 to 60. So some really good college basketball tonight. Uh, Drake. Good, solid squad gets beaten. Carbondale by Southern Illinois by four, and it is a final. Now Providence wins at home, beats Connecticut. So the number two Huskies go down 73-61 to at Friars' team. Ed Cooley's got them playing some good, solid ball, and I'll keep you abreast of the other games, get you some other finals a little bit later in the association. We'll keep an eye on all those games, and I'll get you the finals in hour number two at the top there. Mark Lawrence, great to have you back. And, of course, uh, fantastic playoff weekend as far as college football over the holidays, uh, you know, right there on New Year's Eve, I thought two outstanding games and, you know, panned out, worked, pretty, worked out pretty well for KT with TCU on the money line and able to take care of business. And I had Ohio State plus seven and a half on an alternate line, so that was good. And, uh, but I thought the Buckeyes were going to win the game. They floundered in the uh, fourth quarter. And Michigan, just the turnovers early, you know, just, you know, put them in a spot that got them way behind the eight ball but came back and made it one heck of a game, and i got to give Harbaugh a heck of a lot of credit because I really didn't think that team was going to be that good. I thought they'd maybe hang there in the eastern half of the Big Ten but never thought they would go into Columbus, take out Ohio State, and then go undefeated into the playoffs. So hats off to the two losing teams and, of course, the two winning teams, Stetson Bennett and Georgia, Kirby Smart. They just continue to win, Mark. Yeah, they're a machine right there right now, Kenny, in Georgia. Kirby Smart's got uh, arguably the best recruiting classes going in America these days, number one in college football recruiting, I, I believe, three of the past four football seasons, and it's it's panning out on the field. Uh, great job for them, uh, resilience in the football game. It looked like uh, they were going to, for all intents and purposes, lose the football game in the fourth quarter of the contest, but they refused to wave the uh, white flag. And to their credit, they'll be playing for the national championship once again on Monday. There you go. And who do you uh, again, Mark? Uh, this is a tough game. I have TCU at eighteen to one that I took when they made the final four. I figured, you know what? I'm going to get a better line there, and I'll be able to hedge back. Now, Georgia still is a is a big time favorite, five to one. But I have eighteen to one on TCU. Made money on them already. 
I don't want to lay 13.5, which is actually back down to 12.5 now as far as with Georgia. So I haven't done anything with the game uh, outside of jumping on the initial 13.5 with TCU, just a small play because I already had them uh, straight up. And it was a, a, a decent bet at 18-1. to 1, So I figured, you know what, I'm playing with house money there based on how TCU did in the semifinal. Any angles on this game? Any props? Anything to look at as far as uh, who to jump on? Did you take Georgia? Did you take TCU? Or is it a game you're looking at the total? Well, uh, obviously, uh, one surprise team against a team expected to be there. Uh, when you look at this, Kenny, uh, we called this out in our midweek alert that before the season began, the Georgia Bulldogs were plus 250 to win the national championship. And if you were looking for odds on TCU to win the national championship, you couldn't find any. There weren't any. Uh, that's how much of a surprise this football program has been this football season here. One of a, a little bit of a unique twist inside this game is I don't think people realize that the first year of the college football playoff, if you go back to the very first year, TCU, this, this is in 2014 when it all began, TCU, the week before the Final Four pairing was made, was number three in the polls. They were just all set and ready to appear in the college football playoff the very first year of the polls. They went out and they smashed Mississippi 42-3, to and they were edged out by Ohio State for the number four seed. They dropped from number three to number five or six, I believe. So they've been here, they've done that, and they probably had that little bit of a chip on their shoulder having been there before and sort of being Rodney Dangerfield, if you will, in that sense. So, you know, that's sort of the aura that's going on right now with the TCU football program. Uh, I think what you, if you are if you were on TCU uh, all season long, there's no sense in getting off that merry-go-round right now. This is a football program that gets no respect, as I mentioned here. Max Duggan, I feel, personally should have won the Heisman Trophy for what the Heisman Trophy is. Uh, not the best player in college football, but the player that meant the most to his team all season long. TCU would not be in this bowl game were it not for Max Duggan. Caleb Williams had a great year for Southern Cal. Southern Cal didn't make the college football playoff. TCU did. So I think there's a little bit more of a justification or a little bit of that chip again on the TCU shoulder side of the of the equation here. And if you look at Georgia, uh, they probably played their two worst football games of the season, their last two games coming in here. This was a team, Kenny, that was ranked number one in college defense all season long. Their last two games, they've, are, they've surrendered 71 points and 1,013 yards in those two football contests here. One has to wonder whether or not this football program is wearing down at the wrong time of the season here. Uh, I realize they came back and beat Ohio State, but they, they should probably never have put themselves in that position to be in the hole that they put themselves into. If I'm a fan of college football and I'm watching the way these two football teams got here, I've got to be rooting for TCU. There you go. Okay, so I ended up uh, not playing as many games as Playbook Sports or even Brad Powers. I kind of knocked it down. Now, I did play personally some games but as far as the games that i sold i only sold seven games duke kansas washington ucla alabama tcu and mississippi state so off to a six and one start the only other game i have uh is south dakota state and i had them minus three and actually on the money line as well and they're in the fcs final against north dakota state of course my producer mark hoax alma mater so we're going to take that game in on sunday uh but Playbook Sports, Mark, this is the second year in a row that you have absolutely just lit it up big time. Cole, college bowl guide, and I'm hoping 
that folks that have listened to you for years and years out here in Las Vegas, because you've been on now nine years on Wednesdays, but they know the success that you had last year during bowl season. This year, 42-26-2 on all sides. But more importantly than that, Mark Lawrence, your best bets are 6-0. and That is absolutely phenomenal because those are where you wager more money, more units, and for anybody, whatever they, you know, within their bankroll, whatever they did, they owe you big time, buddy. Outstanding. Two years in a row, you and your staff have done a phenomenal job putting together that bowl guide, and it's second to none right now. Well, I really appreciate that, Kenny. A lot of hard work goes into that, and it's not just Mark Lawrence. It's the staff at Playbook that uh, works diligently to put that guide together. It's a lot of the angles that come out as well-oiled machine. There's no question about that, which points us to the sides in these games, and those sides, as you mentioned, 42 and 26 the last two years. But the whole production of the bowl guide, it's a total team effort. And uh, I have to tip my hat to everybody that helps out with the, with the publication like that. And all I can say, Kenny, is we're looking forward to the next bowl season next year, uh, as we are obviously the 2023 football season. But I can't wait for the bowls to roll around once again next year. Yeah, and Cat was out of the bag, man. Everybody knows it's really Colleen behind all these plays. So, you know what, look, as, as, long as, you're, as long as she's at least getting 30% back, Mark, you know, she'll take it. I mean, you know, she's not greedy, but she has been outstanding. And I know, you know what, she's a phenomenal lady. And behind every good man is a great lady. Your wife is so supportive of you uh, with all the time that you spend doing what you do. You've been very profitable over a long, long career, Mark Lawrence, and I'm just glad that I was able to connect with you. Uh, you know, maybe even a little longer than the great Andy Isco is going to be in studio tomorrow. All I could tell you is that guy doesn't miss a meal. I mean, the only way he'll come into studio is if there's a pre-show meal. And so, you know, he found this place right by the studio, and it's got great pot roast. And Andy Isco, you know that guy. I mean, he loves... His foodies. Now, I, I don't think Andy Esco's ever missed a meal in his life, but uh, he, is a, he is a character, and I know you two do great work during the uh, season as well, and you guys have your own little podcast. Kind of plug that so that you know, people will be aware of it next year, and how do they listen, Mark? Well, Andy and I are real good friends. We go back way, way back um, to the days early in, the, in uh, football, handicapping together. We do a podcast together. It's called Against the Spread. Uh, it's available to be heard or seen. We, now it's, it's video and audio. You can check it out at playbooksports.com. The podcast we just did today, Andy reports from Vegas, gives us an update of everything going on in Vegas, line moves, advanced lines, contests, updates, everything like that. He's our man on the scene in Vegas. And I have to say this, that whenever I do make out to Vegas, there are two things on my agenda when I come out to Vegas. One, is to stop in at Steiner's Pub, see Ken Thompson, and enjoy the great food there. Absolutely great food. The second is to have dinner with Andy Isco because he knows the restaurants, he knows the places to eat, yep. and I just follow. I just follow the man. He just uh, <laughs> he knows all about where all the good restaurants are in town. Not only that, he knows the great deals in town and what nights you can get the great deals as well. So Isco, man, he's sharp. There's no question about it. And I always enjoy Andy and Mark Lawrence as well. Uh, we will 
Come back, Mark, and we're going to go over some NFL games. Uh, real quick, I do want to let everybody know, Mark Lawrence uh, has been, again, on the show for nine years, and he's made it out here, and he always treks out to Steiner's Pub. I'm at 1750 North Buffalo. That's one of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. The other two, 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South, right there at Windmill, and then the original, now in their 25th year, 8410 West Cheyenne. Like Mark says, the food is outstanding. What they don't have on tap, they've got in the bottle. Uh, outstanding service as well. Great gaming. But the service is what tops it all off. So you can have great food. You can have great ambience. You can have the sports set up. And I tell you, all three locations are, are outstandingly, you know, the way that they're set up so that you can see, you know, two, three, four different games from your vantage point, wherever you are, taking in your meal or your spirits. And uh, they, they take care of you here. And once you're here more than once, trust me, people know you. They recognize you. The wait staff, they memorize what you like and, and what you don't like, and they're very suggestive. And it's a 24-hour establishment. So here in the Las Vegas area, if you're in the industry and you're working swing shift or graveyard, don't worry about it. All three Steiner's Pub locations, 24 hours. Ken Thompson, Mark Lawrence, uh, we will be coming back. We're going to go over some NFL games. Keep it right here. Odyssey, 101.5 FM, KDWN. can still catch me now on 720 AM, but everything's going to be shifting to 101.5 FM probably within the next month and a half. So you want to jot that down. It's an outstanding signal, 101.5 FM. Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app wherever you are. You can take in SportsX Radio, 8 to 10 p.m., Monday through Friday, right here, live from Vegas. KT coming back at Steiner's with Mark Lawrence. Going to go over some big NFL games. Got a couple games on Saturday, then a big slate on Sunday. Big game on Monday as well. We'll get Mark's take on what happened with the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. We are live from Vegas. Coming right back. Uh, a little vintage Stevie Wonder coming back. Mark Hook spinning the hits on a Wednesday hump day. First one of the year. Live here, Steiner's Pub, KT, 1750 North Buffalo. Come on out and see me. Uh, still have a bunch of games going on and uh, games winding down. And they'll replay a lot of those games. So if you get off work and you want to take in some games, they throw the replays on all these things, NFL Network games, all different games. Was able to watch back several that I missed when I was uh, cleaning up last week and uh, stayed here a little bit longer than I thought I was going to stay. So all three Steiner's Pub locations always have all the sports rolling, but great music as well. Mark Hoke plays some great music as well spinning the hits coming back ken thompson mark lawrence and we're going to jump to the nfl mark first got to get your take on you know the cincinnati situation you're an ohio guy and uh you know with buffalo demar hamlin of course everybody's prayers there uh for the hamlin family and you know hopefully we have you know some positive i mean it looks like it's slowly working towards positive news i mean it's i i can't get too happy just because i was just worried because it took so long for him to be taken to the hospital that I'm wondering, and I'm saying, gosh darn, whatever it is, they got to get him off the field quickly. You know, I'm, I was worried about any type of, you know, brain damage or anything like that as far as with the heartbeat out or maybe not oxygen or what. And uh, so hopefully, you know, with the hospital being right there and the professional paramedics and the defibrillator and all the stuff that they have there, it's good to know that you've got those type of professionals right there at the ready. Well, Kenny, I read somewhere where they said that uh, if uh, you're going to have a heart episode, much like he had with the arrhythmia, that the two best places for that to happen would be one in a hospital or two on an NFL playing field. 
because the latter, because there's a, just all sorts of medical uh, people that are in attendance that are there attending to the players in case there are accidents and they're needed, the paramedics, the doctors, and the ambulances and so forth and whatnot. They did a terrific job, and they saved the young man's life, which is terrific. I think the first thing that they needed to do or they realized they had to do was resuscitate him. They had to make sure that he was able to be resuscitated to go to the hospital. That was priority number one. And I understand that they had to resuscitate him again once he got to the hospital. So, you know, even though he was out of the woods in a sense when he left the uh, the playing field, he still wasn't completely uh, up until uh, up until his condition turned stable, which is really, really good news. So, like you say, uh, it's looking like progress that way. And I think the thing that stunned everybody the most is the fact that we all were able, we were not were able, we were watching the football game and everybody's jaw dropped when we saw it happen. So, you know, the prayers went out. They poured out uh, from everybody. Scott Van Pelt did a terrific job on ESPN. The whole crew did a great job uh, encapsulating all of what was going on. And I, th- I think it just kind of drew the NFL and the fans in the community all together, that whole episode did. And I think the league will be better off for it. No doubt about it. Now, uh, they'll play games Saturday and Sunday. What's your take on the situation with Cincinnati-Buffalo? Do you think that they push the playoffs back a week and then use that week that they would have, an extra week in between the uh, NFC and AFC championship games and the Super Bowl, and then you don't have that two-week interval? Uh, you maybe push the playoffs back a week, but you've got to get, to me, you've got to get that Cincinnati-Buffalo game in. It is as pivotal a game as we've had in the NFL all year because home field throughout the playoffs is going to be determined by that game. If Buffalo wins, you know, unless they lose somehow to New England at home on, uh, on Sunday, you know, but if they, if they win, uh, that would set it up for them to have to beat Cincinnati to hold on to that if Kansas City is able to beat the Raiders. If KC loses to the Raiders, uh, then that opens the door up for Cincinnati to get the home field advantage if they take care of business this weekend at home against Baltimore. So a lot riding on that game. Do you expect them to play that next week? You know, I, I I think they're it's what's keeping everybody up at night in the NFL headquarters uh, because they realize the importance of the football game, and so many things spin off of the importance of that particular football game. An option might even be to have these teams play uh, play on a on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then come or come back the following Tuesday and play again, uh, just not to disrupt things. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I think what they're going to do is make the move that will end up being improved to be the wisest, but they absolutely have to get this football game in. There's no question that I know they would have rather had the dust settle after this week and maybe the game would not have meant anything to either team, but it's going to mean something to one of those three football teams. Right now, as we speak, Kenny, you and I are conversing here. As we're speaking, Kansas City is the number one seed in the AFC, only because Buffalo didn't play. If Buffalo plays the football game and wins, they're the number one current seed right now. So uh, there's a lot pending here, obviously, on what's going to happen with that game. And uh, I'm with you. I'm waiting with bated breath to find out exactly how the NFL is going to handle this. There you go. And that, again, for uh, folks that don't, realize that if Kansas City were to lose to the Raiders here, and that's a Saturday game, that's the first of two games on Saturday, if the Raiders were able to beat the Chiefs, only lost by one the first time, actually had a 17-point lead and lost that game, but if the Raiders were able to beat the Chiefs, that would set up an all-or-nothing game 
between Buffalo and Cincinnati. The winner of that game would have home field throughout the playoffs, providing both take care of business uh, this weekend at home. Both teams are at home, Buffalo at home against New England, and uh, you've got Cincinnati at home against Baltimore. So that Saturday game with the Chiefs and Raiders, Chiefs are 9.5, 52.5, and Jared Stidham, what a job he did last week. And the Raiders, really, uh, I, I think caught the Niners by surprise because I don't think the Niners were thinking they were going to have that type of uh, contest. I think they thought with the Raiders in disarray, with the Derek Carr benching, Derek, uh, Derek Carr benching and then uh, Jared Stidham you know, taking over, I think they felt that you know, the Raiders are going to be in trouble. The Raiders came to play. Stidham threw for 365 and three touchdowns. He was phenomenal. Uh, the defense actually did their job somewhat. They had four tackles for loss. How about the Niners? Only one tackle for loss. No sacks. That's unheard of with that San Fran defense and to give up that amount of points. Do you think the Raiders are going to be able to hang with KC now that there's film on Stidham? He'll be starting again, 52-and-a-half your total for Saturday. I'll be at that game, Mark. What do you think? Well, that's a great question, Kenny, because uh, usually when games where new quarterbacks step up for the first time and the team rallies around them, they do well. The second game is not meet with the same result with because of that film largely and also the letdown that occurs thereafter. But if you look at Kansas City's makeup here, this football team, even as good as they've been since they won the Super Bowl in the year they did, they're not point spread juggernauts. Uh, they just get in and get out with the victory. Thank you very much. Uh, they're not out there to blow anybody out. I think this game is really important to Las Vegas for their psyche for next year, for the way that they're trying to, uh, a new direction they're trying to go with this football program here. And you know, one of the most staggering stats that I came across, we put it in our newsletter this week, is since they won the Super Bowl, Kansas City is only 2-27 and against the spread in one-score football games. They played a lot of them, and they just don't cover the spreads in these types of games here. I'm going to play the points with the Raiders in this contest here. I would be surprised if Kansas City wins the game, but I think the Raiders will keep this game real close. All right, C. Wynn and his friends over at the Palazzo are listening in. He wants to know about his Lions. They're going to be at Green Bay. It's a Sunday night game, pack minus 4.5-49. Now we know if Seattle were to lose at home to the Rams, that really opens up a fun game for Sunday night because the winner then would go to the playoffs between the Lions and Pack. What's your take? Green Bay playing with house money for a long time, but this Lions team's playing real well. And, uh, boy, I kind of want to take the points with the Lions. I didn't see where you were. It's tough to go against Green Bay at Lambeau, but remember, their season ended at Lambeau the last two years in the NFC Championship game. You know, right now, uh, there's two teams with hot hands both meeting one another here. Obviously, Green Bay at home uh, in a division game. It's almost always the first look at that football contest. But you've got a different Detroit Lions football team here this year. They've won the money their last nine straight division football games in a row. Uh, And also, if you take a look inside these Green Bay Packer numbers, like an x-ray, put up, uh, take a picture of the x-ray, look inside. You see Green Bay has won the yards in only one of the last seven football games. So while the, uh, the record says they're playing well, they're beating the spread, they're not doing it on the field like they're supposed to do it. I, that tells me that there's holes in this Green Bay Packer football team still. I have to grab the points with Detroit because they're going to go into this football game hopefully alive. If Seattle wins, they're going to kill Detroit's chances. But my goodness, if Seattle wins on Saturday, Detroit's going to come with everything they've got here, Kenny. All right, Mark, real quick, rapid fire, because i got to get you out. Uh, Bills at home against the Patriots, 7.5, their favorite, 42.5. Patriots right now holding on to that seven spot. Do you like better than a touchdown with Belichick and the guys, or do you think the Bills will be able to regroup and get things together in order to uh, take care of business, win the game, and do you think they cover the big number? 
Kenny, if I went into a coma and I'd leave an edict for somebody to say, okay, make this play for me, uh, regardless of what happens, Bill Belichick plus seven and a half or more, make that play every time, this would be one of those occasions. And I'd have to do that because his NFL playoff season is on the line here. i got to play New England plus the points here. There you go. And last one, Dolphins. I know they're going to go with uh, uh, another quarterback. I mean, it's, it's just tough for, for this team. And uh, Skylar Thompson will get the, sh- the start there against the Jets. The Jets are reeling big time. They've got nothing to play for outside of pride and to knock the Dolphins out. Dolphins still, uh, they need New England to lose to Buffalo. But if that happens, Miami's got to take care of business themselves. Who do you like in a pick game? Well, you know, like you say, Miami's down to that third-string quarterback, but who are the Jets to be road favored, Kenny? Come on. I mean, this football team right now, their season ended last week. I don't know what incentive they have to be in here laying points. Miami has still dominated the Jets. They beat them 10 of the last 13 they played here. Uh, I'm going to stay with Miami in the football game. I think uh, I think uh, this football program is going to find a way to win this football game. I just hope it means something for the team, but I don't feel the Jets should warrant to be favored in this contest. All right, real quick, uh, plug Playbook Sports. Let everybody know what you're up to. I know you've got the uh, college football bowl guide that came out and the phenomenal record there, but transitioning into college hoops now, NBA, where are we going? Well, we're starting our – Basketball newsletters are going to start this week, Kenny. Uh, the first basketball newsletter will be out this Friday, and it'll, uh, we'll begin uh, our assault on basketball starting then, so you can check that out at playbooksports.com. Our weekly newsletter is all available there. Uh, you can get this week's football newsletter filled with great write-ups on the NFL football games as well. Check everything else we're doing out at playbooksports.com. And follow Mark Lawrence at Mark Lawrence on Twitter. Mark's build with a C at the end. Mark, appreciate you as always. Great to start. 2023 with Mark Lawrence on a hump day live at Steiner's Pub. Appreciate you. My best to you and the staff. Continue the good work, Mark. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, bud. Likewise, Kenny. Be well, stay safe, and I'll look forward to catching up with you next week. There you go. Quick break. Come back. We talk with Art Dice 21, baby. Arthur DeCesar, live Westgate Superbook. Got lots to go over there as well. Top of the hour, Chuck Hayes joins me from City of Angels. Tons to go over. I'll get you a bunch of scores as well at the top of the hour. Keep it right here. SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM, Live Vegas, Odyssey. Download that app. We'll be right back. Go. A little bright lights, bigger city, a little CeeLo Green coming back on Wednesday night. KT Live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. My good pal, Arthur DeCesar, he's over there at the beautiful Westgate Superbook. Love that place. I'll be in there tomorrow uh, catching up on a bunch of the sheets. But you got to get that app as well. Get that if you're inside Nevada. You can make all these wagers from your phone. You don't have to worry about having to go down there. I just love to have for my show all the papers. And then on Wednesday nights, I like to bring them into Steiner's Pub and have have a bunch of them there, especially with a lot of the futures for all the different sports and college basketball getting hot and heavy. I've got a good future. I'll give it out next week, uh, maybe on Friday. I'll give it out on Friday because I uh, want to make sure I'm going to get down at a couple other places with a couple of college basketball futures. But I know my good pal, Art Dice 21, he loves the college basketball. But Art Dice, let's reflect real quick on what happened uh, Buffalo, Cincinnati with the DeMar Hamlin situation and how it affected 
the Westgate Superbook and that particular game because as our prayers are with the Bills family and, of course, Hamlin's family, there is still business to be had in the world of NFL and NFL wagering, and I'm just wondering how the Westgate Superbook handled everything. Yeah, KT, pleasure to be here with you as always. And you said it, you know, obviously, first and foremost, prayers to, you know, Hamlin and his family and, you know, everyone involved in it. But, uh, you know, normally in a situation when a game gets postponed or suspended or pushed back or whatever the case may be, you know, we usually house rules handle it with a must be played within eight days. Obviously, this was a situation none of us have ever seen or dealt with. We just decided to go ahead and refund the game. Um, we just felt it was the right thing to do. So that's the stance we took. And anyone who made any bets on the Monday night game got their tickets refunded. All right. So if by chance they did not play the game, and I would think they have to play this game. I just don't know. And, and Stephen A. Smith brought up uh, uh, what I thought was a reasonable uh, fix to the situation to where you have it as a standalone game, maybe next Saturday or Sunday, and then start the playoffs the following week. And uh, then you just don't have that week, the two-week uh, interval in between the Super Bowl and the uh, AFC and NFC Championship games. If by chance there was some way they did not play the game, how would that affect anything as far as win totals or any types of futures? Again, because you haven't dealt with that, it's something that I would think uh, Jay and the and the whole staff's going to have to get together and come up with a solution. Well, there's no doubt about it, KT. Obviously, that will have to be discussed. Right now, listen, our house rules are. You know, for anything, 17 games have to be played. So, you know, obviously, if the Bills and Bengals don't make this game up, that would affect that. But, you know, that's right now. We're just sticking to our house rules right now as far as the futures go on that. I don't want to say we'll go lean one way or the other. Obviously, that will be taken care of by guys way higher than me, like you said, John and Jay, and they'll figure all that out. But right now, that's kind of the approach we're taking because we don't know. You know, this is such an important game. It wasn't some game that meant nothing. It means a lot to the playoff seeding in the AFC. So, you know, like you said, you just mentioned maybe they figure it out and play it a week later as a standalone. So there's obviously still a lot of moving parts here that we have to figure out. So, you know, obviously I can't comment on what will happen, you know, as far as that goes, but we'll see. All right, so that said, let's go rapid-fire NFL, then we'll get to the uh, two championship games in college football, uh, one Sunday, one Monday. Chiefs-Raiders, Chiefs 9.5, 52.5 on Saturday. I'll be there at Allegiant Stadium looking forward to that. Your take, the way Stidham played, I was shocked. I mean, look, I saw him play in the preseason, but we really hadn't seen a lot of him during the regular season in his time with New England, even though you know he knows the system under McDaniels. I mean, San Francisco... I would think they, too, defensively took it lightly, thinking, like, it's not going to be a problem. It's, you know, this Raider offensive line is a, an offensive line that, you know, outside of uh, Colton Miller is a makeshift line and has gone through some transition. But I was so impressed with the Raiders all the way around. Uh, you know, again, they end up losing the game. But still, they say there's no moral victories. I'll take one there because they weren't going to make the playoffs anyway. I think that's a, a good stepping stone. I'm just wondering what happens because Stidham's a free agent after this year, but he does get a start in this one. What about it? Um, e. Cole Hardman is back for Kansas City. They've missed him for several weeks. And uh, KC still 9.5 at the Westgate Superbook, 52.5 your total from Allegiant. Yes, it is. You know, Chiefs still a big, almost double-digit road favorite. Hey, yeah, you're right. Stidham played great. It was, you know, surprising to see against basically the best defense of the league in the 49ers. But that hasn't stopped betters from wanting to bet the Chiefs. They always bet the Chiefs. 
It feels like money always comes on the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs still have a lot to play for. They want to get that number one seed. They know how important it is to have the number one seed. So that's why you've seen the money come in on the Chiefs. Very high total at 52.5. I'm sure public will come in at some point and bet the over there because that's what they do in Chief Raider games. It's just always how it is. But that first early game on Saturday is not but Chiefs money. All right, so then we've got on Sunday. Well, actually, Saturday, let's go back. Uh, Titans, Jaguars. Jaguars minus 6 and 40. And you've got two teams, one playing great football, the other one struggling, just trying to find any any continuity because they lost their quarterback in Tannehill. Henry's been banged up. I mean, it's been real tough on Vrabel and the Titans. And the Jags just continue to excel. I really want the Jags to take care of business in this game. I think they deserve it. They played really, really well. And let's remember, if they end up playing the Chargers, they blasted the Chargers earlier in the year. I'd love to see it. Jags, minus six, total of 40. What about it? Yeah, you know, this is the second Saturday game. It's nice that it gets the standalone because it is for the division. Someone is going to win the AFC South, the winner of this game. And you're saying, you said it, Titans are going in the opposite direction of the Jags. Jags are trending up. Titans are trending down. They're basically to their third-string quarterback in Dobbs now. You know, we opened this game six. It actually got to as high as seven. And then the sharp buy came on the Titans at seven and six and a half. And we're actually back to the original line of six. I'm with you. I'm rooting for Jacksonville. I'd like to see some new blood in the playoffs. I'd like to see Lawrence get in. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right. No question about it. Now, Seahawks, if they slip up somehow on Sunday, Sunday night game, would be incredible. Detroit already said they're going to treat it like a playoff game, and I love the way the Lions are playing. But the Packers as well, playing pretty good ball, and we all counted Aaron Rodgers out. Maybe not all of us, but most of us counted Aaron Rodgers out because it didn't look like Green Bay was going to get all the help that they needed from other teams collapsing around them. But it's happened that way, and Green Bay is a a four-and-a-half point Sunday night favorite, 49-year total. I would think you're going to get a ton of action on this game. No doubt about it, KT. There's going to be a ton of action on this game. This will be the last game of the regular season, unless the Bills and Bengals get made up. But, you know, Lions at pack, and it's basically stayed pretty steady at the four and a half, KT. There really hasn't been any movement. Even the total at 49, haven't seen a lot of movement. Normally, a lot of people like to play those divisional unders. So I figured maybe some divisional under money would come in. It's not been the case so far. You, I mean, listen, you and I both know the public will be on Green Bay. We'll need the pack. We'll need the Lions because Green Bay will be in a lot of straights. They'll be in all money line parlays to finish people's cards on Sundays. So eventually the pack money will come in. All right. So Mark Lawrence thinks, you know, with uh, the Bills going through all the stuff that they've gone through, all the questions they're answering are about Tamar Hamlin situation from the Cincinnati game. They've got to get ready for a home game because if they win this game against the Patriots, they then would have an opportunity to still have the best record in the AFC, be able to edge out Kansas City if they're able to take out Cincinnati in a makeup game uh, because right now KC has played one more game, and so they're a half game ahead of Buffalo. But Buffalo holds a tiebreaker because of their win earlier in the year at Arrowhead. Your take on this one, Bills minus 7.5, 42.5, your total from Buffalo against New England. See, the only problem with that game right now, KT, is, and that kind of was what the line was, seven, seven and a half. We have that game off the board right now. It's the only game that we've treated and taken off the board. We had the Bengal-Raven game off the board earlier in the day, but we put that game back on the board. We just haven't felt confident enough of what we've heard out of Buffalo, how they're going to treat these last two games. So who knows? So we're just, you know, being cautious and keeping the Bills off 
the board. But you're right. It was going to be about seven, seven and a half. Everything in front of the Patriots, they win and they're in. Look at headlines on that game were like 10, 10 and a half. I mean, obviously New England's got everything to play for and so do the Bills. But right now, game is currently off the board. All right, so some of the other games uh, that are meaningful, uh, throw some at me because we know the Cowboys are in. We know the Chargers are in. We know a bunch of these teams are in. The Steelers are still alive. They're at home. They're minus two and a half against their rival, the Cleveland Browns, and Deshaun Watson comes in, and this line's staying steady at two and a half. Steelers favorite at home, total of 40. And you can bet the Steeler fans will not forget about the uh, past of Deshaun Watson. They're going to let him have the business for sure. Who do you like in this game? Because Pittsburgh, you know, Watts playing out of his mind, and when he's playing well and Fitzpatrick, you got two anchors on that defense. I think it's going to be one of these lower-scoring games. Uh, I'll take the under 40, and I think the Steelers will find a way to win it. I like that too, KT. Obviously, a total of 40 divisional unders. It's got a 17-13, 14-10 feel to it. And listen, give the kid picket credit. He has played well. He has obviously driven them down the field a couple times late in these last couple of weeks. I mean, Cleveland's got nothing to play for. Pittsburgh still believes they're alive. You know Tomlin will always have his group ready to play. He always ends up with a winning record. Steelers definitely take care of business at home, and it's under the field goal right now. You might as well grab it. Do you like the Seahawks at home minus the six and a half against the Rams? I know Bobby Wagner jacked up to go against his old mates. That'll be a Sunday late afternoon game. Uh, your take on this one again, if the Rams are able to somehow pull the upset and get the W, that opens it up for that Sunday night game for be, to be for all the marbles for that seven spot between Detroit and Green Bay. Any chance the Rams beat Seattle? If not, do you like the Seahawks in laying less than a touchdown? Well, the betters don't like the Rams so far. You know, we opened that game five, and it's been nothing but Seattle money. It's gotten us to six and a half. The Rams have obviously been funky and a little feisty down these last couple of weeks with Baker Mayfield. And Seattle kind of got back to business last week, dominating the Jets at home. Yeah, I think with Seattle, everything you know to play for, there'll be a very popular leg in teasers as well because it's under the touchdown Seattle money. So we will be rooting for the Rams. All right, so I got a little wager with my good pal and producer, Mark Hoke. He's a North Dakota State grad, as you may know, and South Dakota State's KT's FCS team, the Jackrabbits. They're minus five, last I saw, at the Westgate, but some money has come in around the world on South South Dakota State today to get that line a little bit higher other places, wondering if it'll move there at the Superbook. But I got three. I I laid three initially, and I laid money line, so I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. But North Dakota State's still the kingpin until South Dakota State beats them in a meaningful game. Doesn't mean a hill of beans. What about the FCS title game on Sunday? Any opinion there? Not really an opinion, but you are right. The money has come in on South Dakota State. We are sitting minus five, 47 and a half of a total. And if you're taking South Dakota State on the money line, you're paying a little bit over $2 at minus 210. I'm not really the FCS guy, so I'll leave all the opinions to UKT. I'm just going to give you the update on what we're doing. There you go. Well, you know what? I get my info from Brad Powers and Mark Hoke. Those two guys know the FCS as well as I know the FBS, so they're on top of it. But I have followed the Jackrabbits, and I do enjoy a little bit of camaraderie there with my producer uh, trying to have a little bit of fun there, and we're going to probably take that game in on Steiners on Sunday. TCU Georgia Monday night. Georgia minus 12.5, 63. Started a little bit higher. Look, I've got TCU 18-1 to to win the, uh, the whole enchilada there that I played prior to the final four your take on this one can tcu hang even if kendry miller doesn't go out of the backfield it's been nothing but public money on tcu we reopened the line you know when we had hypothetical lines before the final four 
We were hanging Georgia minus 16 and a half and a hypothetical matchup against TCU. We reopened it Georgia minus 13 and a half and the Horn Frog money has come in. It's pushed us down to Georgia minus 12 and a half. The total has been interesting. Obviously after the two shootouts in the, you know, in the two final four games, we saw over money come in then under money. So it's kind of ping pong settled back to the 63 uh, eventually the Georgia money will come in, but they, we have not seen any of it yet. Public very high on TCU. There you go. We're going to get into some college hoops, some NHL. We'll get into more stuff next week with Art Dice. My man, I appreciate you. First off, Arthur, happy new year to you and everybody at the Westgate Superbook. Look forward to uh, touching base next Wednesday. God bless, my man. We'll talk to you soon. That'll do it for hour number one. KT, going to take a break. Come back with Chuck Hayes. Keep it right here. You're listening to SportsX Radio. Where? 101.5 KDWN Odyssey. Download that Odyssey app now. Don't wait. Do it. It's a free app. We'll be right back live from Vegas, live at Steiner's. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill. Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. All right, KT, hour number two, Steiner's Pub. Get with my pal Chuck Hayes in just a little bit. Got a bunch of things to go over real quick. Preventative Diagnostics Center, another fantastic sponsor. You know Dr. John Pearson Company. They take care of business. They help prolong lives. Why? Because PD Center has the only scanner of its kind in the region that gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease, lung disease, cancer. Dr. John Pierce, he headlines this group here, and they are fantastic. You uh, can get all your organs scanned and find out, do you have anything starting up, any cancer, any heart disease, any lung disease, and be proactive. Get that information that you're going to get on a disc and also on a, a printout on every one of your organs. You can get that, get it to physicians if need be. That's worst-case scenario. 
best case scenario, like me and my wife Christina, the last couple of years had a couple uh, clean scans, and the last one, KT's heart, one of the uh, arteries clogging up just a little bit, but not too bad. Uh, I have a good buddy that actually went there a few years ago and found out uh, that he was. Uh, you know, in pretty good shape as well and was kind of worried. So it's, you're looking for that peace of mind, and that's the cool thing about the Preventative Diagnostic Center. Now, you can call now. You can leave a message. They're not open right now, but they'll get back to you. You know the 702 for Vegas, 534-7900, That includes for you folks coming in to visit in Vegas. If you have four or five days here, try and schedule something so that if you're in that demographic between 40 and 72 years old, that you can get in there and get your organs checked out. You can give a call. 534-7900 and get that free educational consultation. You let them know Ken Thompson Sports X Radio sent you. You can uh, take advantage of the heart CT scan and calcium score special that they run through the show. It's $125 for a $600 value. Guys, you can find out you're not going to get blindsided by the Widowmaker and, and be down and out and done with a massive heart attack. And the cool thing is your significant other is absolutely free. So it doesn't get much better than that. Get in there, then find out how you can get all your organs scanned. They'll work everything for you. You can get uh, to where you can have payments if need be. And it's just a phenomenal uh, opportunity to be proactive. Early detection is key. You've got to, you know, take charge of your health, bottom line. So you get peace of mind when you do take charge of your health by calling the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900. You want to see the scanner, go to PD Center. LV.com, pdcenterlv.com. It'll answer a lot of questions for you, but you give a call to that number, 534-7900. They'll answer all the others, and they'll set you up that free educational consultation. All right, in the association, three games winding down. Hawks and Kings, great one from Sacktown. 628 to go fourth quarter, 102 apiece. 89-87, the Heat lead the Lakers with 656 to go in the City of Angels. Uh, Heat going off an 8.5-point favorite. AD still out there, and I believe LeBron missing this one as well. Pistons clinging to a one-point lead, trying to short-circuit the Warriors' winning streak. 108-107 Detroit. They've led that game wire-to-wire, but Golden State has closed the gap now to within one point. Warriors were seven-point favorites in that game. Other games are all final. Cavs squeaked one out, came back and beat the Suns 90-88 at home. Very sluggish game for both teams. Sixers. Go an extra session, beat Indiana, 129-126. Take it. They don't cover the five, but they get the win. Game goes over the total. Magic, cool off the thunder, 126-115. They were one-point dogs. They win it by 11, and uh, total 230. Game gets over, hits 241. Meanwhile, the Grizz, they continue to win, play good, solid ball. They've got a streak going, both against the spread and straight up. Grizz, four for four. They've won four in a row, and they've covered four in a row, 131-107. Uh, they get the victory in Charlotte. No problem laying 7.5 for John Morant and the boys. 237.5 was the total. It finishes at 238, 131-107 the Grizz. 117-114. Knicks beat the Spurs. Ninth straight game for San Antonio. That's gone over the total. Total was 225.5. Game hits 231, 117-114. Knicks minus 10, so San Antonio gets the money. Knicks take the victory, 117-114 at the Garden. Meanwhile, Raptors lose at home to the Bucks. 104-101. Raptors were actually 5 and a half point home favorites north of the border but milwaukee gets the win total was 224 game goes well under bulls cool off the nets beat the nets break their 12 game winning streak chicago wins it in the windy city five point dogs they win it by nine 121 112 234 your total game hits 233 unbelievable with these totals sometimes minnesota 113 106 they knock off the trailblazers at home they were one and a half point home dogs get the win by seven game stays well under the total 234 and a half and 119 108 pelicans over the rockets win it by 11 laying seven get the win the cover game stays under the total 
by a point and a half. Closed to 228 and a half. Game hits 227, 119 to 108. Hawks have taken a 104, 102 lead over the Kings. 89, 87 still. Heat and Lakers just getting back on the court and still 108, 107. A timeout on the court there in San Francisco with Detroit leading Golden State by a point. Gave you a bunch of uh, the college basketball scores earlier. Only game still going. Nevada leads Colorado State 50-43. to Wolfpack in Reno at home at Lawler Event Center. They're minus four in that game. Up by seven. 12-42. Still to go in the second half. Total 141. Baylor got beat at home. TCU Jamie Dixon's boys came back and won that game by a point. 88-87. Butler wins 78-70 at the Hinkle Fieldhouse against uh, DePaul. They pushed the number of eight. Game flies over the total. Northwestern dominant win by a Baker's dozen. 73-60 over Illinois. Underwood's team's really cool off big time north carolina down the stretch able to pull away from wake forest but not get the cover they laid 10 they win it by 9 88 79 in chapel hill over wake forest virginia tech loses at home clemson's playing good ball Vod tech surprising me that they've uh, cooled off like they have and losing in blacksburg surprised me tonight Vod tech laying seven and uh, it's clemson that wins it outright by three in a game that stays under the total i was on providence they took out uconn they were five and a half point dogs at home they won it by 12 nice effort cooley's boys playing excellent basketball as well Providence 73, Connecticut 61. 67-62, Lindenwood beat Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas comes back to beat Missouri 74-68, but do not cover the 7.5, only win it by 6. Game stays under the total. Southern Illinois wins by 4 at home against Drake down in Carbondale. Tough place to win, and Drake found that out tonight as one-point dogs in the Missouri Valley Conference. No problem, Missouri State beat Evansville 85-62. Win, cover, game goes over. Belmont. Now in the Missouri Valley, they beat Illinois Chicago, who's also transitioned from the Horizon League to the Missouri Valley. 77-71, Belmont, the Bruins knock off Illinois Chicago. They were laying four and a half. They cover it, win it by six. Indiana State, they knock off Illinois State, 76-67. Laying six in that game, Sycamores were up by 20. Hold on, win it by nine, get the cover. Game goes over the total by a point. Murray State at home by nine over Bradley. Boys from Peoria had the early lead, laying five and a half on the road. But the Racers, so tough to beat on their home court year in, year out. John Morant's alma mater take care of business, 67-58. UMass was on UMass. I'll tell you what, Frank Martin doing a nice job there. Cooled off St. Louis, 90-81. to laying, uh, They were catching three. They didn't need it. Total was 150, high total, but it hits 171, 90-81. UMass, the Minutemen, taking care of business at home. Stephen F. Austin beat New Mexico State, down year for the Aggies. 69-60, Lumberjacks at home, laying two and a half, get the win in the cover. Sanford, 87-78, beat VMI. Uh, do not cover the number. Game flies over the total. Tulane, 93-77, they pummel. Tulsa laying 13. They win it by 16. Win cover. Game goes over. Temple 68-64. A road win down in Tampa against South Florida. You get the win. The game staying under the total. And Central Florida beat East Carolina 64-61. But East Carolina was plus 5 on their home court so they get the money. The folks that back DCU. But Central Florida gets the win in a game that stays 4 points under the total. Iowa State the win at Oklahoma and Norman 63-60 as dogs. They get the win and the game stays under the total. 81-66. NC Wilmington beat Elon. Win cover. Game goes over, and we told you A&M beat Florida 66-63 in Gainesville as five-and-a-half-point dogs. Nice effort there by Buzz Williams and the Aggies. And then Michigan 79-69 beat Penn State, win it by 10. I was on the Wolverines. Uh, Juwan Howard's boys laying four. They win it by 10. 82-79 Rhode Island a win, cover by a half point over Fordham. Battle of the Rams, Fordham 
Rams losing to the Rhode Island Rams, and they were catching two and a half, but they lose it by three. Total 136. Game hits 161. Richmond by 10 over uh, George Washington. Game stays under the total, but Richmond covers the eight and a half. NC State destroys Duke in Raleigh. 84-60 to the final there. Duke five-point road favorites, and NC State wins it by 24. The total was 144 and a half. The game hits 144. My goodness. And then Georgia Tech came back and beat Miami of Florida. Tech had the early lead. Miami came back to take a six-point lead, and then Georgia Tech wins it by six in a game that stays one point under the total of 147. Hits 146, 76-70. Georgia Tech over Miami of Florida. And uh, that is it pretty much. Uh, There's a a bunch more games from some of the smaller conferences. I will tell you, Dayton beat St. Joe's by 18, a win and a cover there in a game that stayed under the total. And Villanova by 16 over Georgetown. It's been Nothing but misery there for Patrick Ewing at his alma mater. And uh, Georgetown cannot win a game inside the Big East. It is tough. And then Bruce Pearl's team lost in Athens to Georgia 76-64 in College of Charleston in a matinee game. Covers the 11.5, winning it by 13 at North Carolina A&T. Update Pistons now 117-112, a minute 24 to go. They lead the Warriors by 5. Heat lead the Lakers 90-87, 5.40 to go. And 111-104 as the Hawks on a little run. Up in Sacktown lead Sacramento 3.50 to go. That a look at the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard outside of on the ice. 4-1 to Minnesota skating past Tampa Bay. Just 6.53 left in the third period there in Minnesota. And 2-0 Anaheim clings to that lead. 14-14 to go. Third period in Orange County against the Dallas Stars. If you missed it, Jersey knocked off Detroit. Devils 5-1 on the road. So a complete look at that Richard Badge and Finley Toyota town scoreboard. Bringing my good buddy Chuck Hayes, who's always so patient when KT has to go through the scores there at the top of hour number two. Chuck, it's been a while, my man. I'm hoping that you were able to uh, have some family time, a little downtime. I love talking to you on Wednesdays. I missed you. And, uh, you know, first thing I got from a bunch of my buddies, including my good pal Mike Scalliot, is like, I can't wait to hear Chuck Hayes talk about USC's meltdown because there's you know KT's an SC guy but there's a lot of anti-SC guys and you know they love when we lose and the way they melt it down against Tulane boy I'll tell you what Chuck it doesn't uh it doesn't take uh, you know I I didn't have a whole heck of a lot of uh you know interest in the game because being at the Pac-12 title game losing to Utah and Caleb getting hurt kind of took a little bit of luster off the season but it's been a good solid year but the way they closed out and blew that lead down the stretch against Tulane was embarrassing Ken first of all great to be with you happy new year and uh, no I didn't have any downtime I actually was working the entire time on multiple projects at uh, this time of the year and survived a uh, little bout of laryngitis which I don't wish on anyone who works in uh, in radio um yeah, the uh, Cotton Bowl uh, was a disappointment, and I think it reminds me a little bit of the Freedom Bowl back when I worked in uh, in Anaheim when SC came down to play Fresno State, and Larry Smith was going up against Trent Dilfer and uh, did not turn out well for USC. That's the infamous post game when Larry Smith uh, said that logos don't win football games, and uh, the next thing you know, it was uh, halftime of the Rose Bowl and a press conference was called at Heritage Hall while the Rose Bowl was going on, and they announced that there was a change made at USC. So um, there's no change at USC in regards to Lincoln Riley. He had a good season with this team. Um, they were they had some precarious moments. I thought the Oregon State game was the film that I would look at if I was Tulane and say, hey, you know, these guys are beatable. If uh, Oregon State's quarterback doesn't throw four interceptions, USC loses on the road in Corvallis. 
and we saw what happened uh, against UCLA. It took a Corey Foreman interception, uh, or uh, DTR might have scored on that one. They lost two times to Utah. We saw Utah get exposed in the Rose Bowl. We saw when Cam Rising went down, they were a different football team. But overall, I thought that this was a building block. It was interesting that early on that Jordan Addison said he wasn't going to play to prepare for the NFL. Just shows you the kind of player he is. A me guy all the way. Uh, I'm not sure if he had to give back his bends when he announced that. I'd love to know the story behind that one or his United Airlines endorsement. Those are the kind of things that people need to know about, that when you come from one program to another and you decide you don't want to play in the Cotton Bowl for the University of Southern California because you're worried about your pro draft status or whether or not you're going to get hurt, you're me guy. I'm, I'm sorry, just the way it is. Now, again, some people would say it's a business decision. Uh, I think he's a great player. I thought he was a talent, but he was banged up all year long, and I really wonder uh, how did he left, why he left Pitt. Uh, he had a bigger appetite, and maybe he found out at SC that he was just another guy. I saw Brendan Rice play on, uh, you know, in the Cotton Bowl, and I didn't miss Jordan Addison one play. You know, I think Brendan Rice really stepped up and, and really showed what his potential is. And we all know what's been going on at Colorado, so maybe he was shaking the rust off of uh, a couple of years in Boulder. Yeah, that's a good call there. And here's the other thing. I mean, Mario Williams, he's a guy that, you know, played under Lincoln Riley over there at Oklahoma. He's a guy that should know not to field a kickoff when you don't have to return it, there's no need to return the kickoff that he ran over towards the sidelines, and his momentum was taking him over toward the sideline quickly. So he tries to catch the ball and stop so that he can you know, pinpoint and go up the sideline with a return. Instead, he takes his eye off the ball so that he can see where his feet are, and he subsequently fumbles the ball out of bounds on the half-yard line. That opened the door up for the safety, and then it all unraveled. I mean, you just cannot do that. Guys have got to understand what's going on at what time in the games, and I think that's something that's lacking. If I go back, Chuck, on so many games this year, like just boneheaded moves to where you're just like, is anybody from the coaching staff saying something you know, prior to that kickoff or, so, or whatever the situation is? Because to me, I'm telling Mario, look, there's no need to return it. Don't even touch it. Let it go. I mean, unless it's going to bounce on the fire, unless it's an onside kick or a squib kick. But if it's something that's going to either go out of bounds or out of the end zone, leave it alone. There was no need to touch that ball. And that really set USC up for failure down the stretch. KT, you know that Coach Harvey Hyde and myself, Coach Hyde, of course, uh, on Saturday nights at 9 o'clock on KDWN, uh, give you the analysis and the straight talk. And one of the conversations that we have and have had, uh, we were harsh on Clay Helton in regards to players doing what they wanted, when they wanted, in regards to practice or how they dressed or all the things that go along with that. I frankly think that Lincoln Riley's got the same issues. And I think that lack of focus, and it starts with, people will laugh at this, but it's called the uniform for a reason. The DBs wear yellow stretch uh, hose. Uh, some players wear black socks. Some players wear white. Uh, the strength coach coaches are jumping up and down on the sideline, waving towels like they're in fifth grade intramurals. 
uh, it's kind of bush league in regards to the environment. And I think ultimately that comes at the end of the game when the pressure is on whether or not you have discipline. Defense is discipline. Defense is staying in your lanes. Defense is tackling. Offense is not holding. Offense is not going off sides. Offense is catching passes that are there. Um, it's an interesting thing. You, you, can't, you can't put the whole season in a dumpster and say it wasn't successful. It was. But you saw major holes, and you saw challenges. We're going to talk about this Saturday night. One of the topics on the table is what about the defense coordinator? One of my complaints against Clay Helton was that he said it's Graham Harrell's offense. It's Todd Orlando or Clancy Pendergast's defense. It's John Baxter's special teams. No, you're the head football coach. Lincoln Riley, if you don't know anything about defense, step up the microphone and say, I'm going to be more involved. Well, he can't be because he's the head coach, he's the offensive coordinator, he's the quarterback coach, he's the babysitter, okay? We saw it. We saw it all during the year when Caleb was up or down emotionally where Lincoln Riley was. He was not. His head is not in the defense. Now, you know, head coaches only have so much time. And when your your pies cut three ways and none of it is defense or special teams, you better have someone strong in those positions that you can coach the coaches. Isn't that what Bear Bryant used to say, what his job was? My job is to coach the coaches. What does Nick Saban do? He coaches the coaches. We saw ups and downs at Alabama all year. You know, they, they survived. They won their Sugar Bowl, so they're they're on the rise. But I think when you're a head football coach, and if you've never been in that position, if you haven't sat in that head chair, this has been following Lincoln Riley around very, very long time about the inability of his defense to stop people. This has been the air raid. And let me just put it this way, Ken, and I know this might sound a little bit controversial and a little bit um, maybe callous. Um, Mike Leach was a great football coach. I had a chance to meet Mike Leach when uh, Bruce Feldman and him wrote the book Swing the Sword. was introduced to him. A friend of mine that coached at Wesleyan, Bill McDermott, gave Mike Leach his first job at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. There is no way in heck that Mike Leach's logo should have been on the back of the USC helmet in the Cotton Bowl. He's not a Trojan. He's, he, was, he was Lincoln Riley's benefactor. If Lincoln Riley wanted to put Mike Leach's logo on his visor, more power to you. But that logo did not belong on the back of the USC helmet. My great friend Sam Cunningham, a great Trojan, uh, when he passed away, it was his letters were on the SC helmet for one game. Ken, one game. Why was Lincoln Riley putting Mike Leach's logo on the USC helmet. Just a small point. It's one of those things that when I saw it, it really, uh, for me, was something that I didn't like. I, I like Coach Leach. I thought he was super. Uh, we miss him. College football is going to miss him. But he had no connection to USC. He was, he was Lincoln Riley's benefactor. 
All right, great stuff, Chuck Hayes. We're up against break. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Chuck's with me throughout the hour. Looking forward to uh, getting his take on a bunch of the NFL games coming up. Also going to talk about the Chargers. He's there in the City of Angels. We know they're going to the playoffs. Rams have a closeout game in Seattle. Big game for Bobby Wagner, personally. See if the Rams can get up. If they get up for that game and knock off Seattle, Seahawks uh, could be out of the postseason because, or in fact, they would be in the uh, winner of Detroit and Green Bay would then get that seven spot. Green Bay will get it regardless if they knock off the Lions, but it would open the door up for the Lions if the Seahawks lost to the Rams on Sunday. So a lot to talk about SportsX Radio. Keep it right here. You're listening live from Steiner's Pub. It is Ken Thompson, my producer, Mark Hoke, the best in the business. Don't forget the Mark Hoke Show Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. You like professional wrestling, you will love the Mark Hoke Show. Ken Thompson thanking Mark Lawrence and uh, my good pal Art DeCesar, guests in hour number one. My good pal Chuck Hay is going to stay with me through hour number two. We are live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub. Keep it right here, 101.5 FM. You're listening to KDON on Odyssey. Ah, yeah, baby, a little money talking. Mark Lawrence making a ton of money for people as far as all the bowl games with his bowl guy, Brad Powers, on the Friday football fiasco. Powers having a great bowl season as well. KT did well as well. So uh, lots of people making people money. But love a little ACDC coming back here on a hump day live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, 103 in the Vegas Valley to serve you. 8410 West Cheyenne, the original now in their 25th year and 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South right there on Windmill and the Boulevard. And uh, my good pal Chuck Hayes is with me. Hour number two, we haven't talked in several weeks. And, of course, Chuck and Coach Harvey Hyde do an outstanding job. The Trojan Report and... uh, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to start talking about that defense because Alex Grinch is under fire. He was, uh, you know, during that meltdown against Tulane. There were tons of tweets going out, bring in Jim Leonard. And, of course, Leonard, surprisingly to me, was not hired as the head coach in Wisconsin. He played there. That's his alma mater. He did a great job with that defense for a long time. To me, you know, if you're basing it on what happened with Leonard and Wisconsin down the stretch, well, that offense was an absolute joke compared to what it had been in years past. They still ran the ball, you know, had a couple decent running backs that were, uh, you know, Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, but the offensive line was not what it's been. The receiving core, not much. And then, you know, Graham Mertz was overrated as far as what they brought in, at least for the system that they had. I thought Leonard did a bang-up job with that defense, with his tenure there, and I'd love to see him as defensive coordinator under Lincoln Riley. Any chance that happens? I know you and Harvey are going to talk about it, Coach tied on Saturday, uh, but that's my that's the guy that I would want to run my defense is Jim Leonard. You know, you say that. Uh, Todd Orlando was at Wisconsin prior to uh, his many stops, and again, you know, you look at it, you know, the seven and six, uh, you look at their defense, uh, go back to uh, when the season started, uh, they shut out Illinois State, they lost to Washington State, 
they blew out New Mexico State. They lost to Ohio State. They lost to Illinois. They beat Northwestern. They lost to Michigan State. They beat Purdue. They uh, beat Maryland. They lost to Iowa. Uh, you know, I, again, I want to know, I want a defensive coordinator. Okay, this is kind of way I, way I look at it. You need someone who can recruit nationally but also has a strong footprint in Southern California. Someone who's going to be a head coach someday, or if not already have been a head coach, not somebody who's on the retirement plan. This is a big thing with Coach Hyde. If you have golf clubs in your trunk, we don't want you. <laughs> That's number one, okay? If you have a hobby outside of deciding you're going to run a 4-3 or 5-2 or 3-3-6, whatever it is, we do not want that. We want a guy who can stop the pass game, who brings internal toughness, and can develop players. Right now, it's a turnstile at USC in regards to defense. There's so many great recruits that have come and gone, Ken. It's so sad. You start looking at these guys and these kids, and you hear their reputations. And again, I'm going to say number zero right now is the number one challenge for this football team. Will Corey Foreman ever be a great player at USC? Will he be one of the great ones like Adele Rio or a lot? or a Chip Banks, or uh, uh, Willie McGinnis, or, you know, Leonard Williams. Hafunga was the last great defensive player at USC, who's right now killing it in San Francisco. So I don't know. I'm not sold on him, I'll be honest, Ken. To me, Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin, if he thought that he was the guy, they would have never let him get away. And they would have made it worth his while to stay. Now, I know Luke Fickle wants his own guys. But, you know, this is a big boy game now. And you may not have someone on your tree who's working for you if they think he's the reason. I mean, he's a son of Wisconsin. He's a guy that walked on there. He's a guy that made his bones there. He went into the league. He came back. How you, how you send a guy like that away? Um, I'll, I'll give you a name. I'll give you a name that I'd love to see back at USC, Joe Barry. Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers now. He worked for Sean McVay and uh, Wade Phillips in L.A. I actually thought that, that uh, Joe Barry might be the next coach after Clay Helton if they were going to go a defensive way. So, Again, that's just a name that no one's talking about, but he's from Wisconsin also. So why not go with a guy that knows what Cardinal Gold looks like? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing with Leonard, to his defense, I mean, the defense was on the field a hell of a lot Why he was coordinator there. Now he steps in in an interim basis, you know, with the firing of Paul Christ, but he did an outstanding job. I mean, that's the reason Wisconsin, year in, year out, would represent the western half. It was not It was based on the offensive line, the running game, and a very conservative offense, but they relied on that defense. And if you go back, not this year, you go back the year before, I mean, there's so many games where you look at the other team, they're scoring under under 17 points, you know, the uh, you know the opponents and whatnot. Right, so but that's the, could, also, Ken, that's the Big Ten also. It's a little different. It's It's... You know, you look at you look at Grinch, okay, and his background, 
you know, being in the air raid at Washington State under Leach, mm-hmm. and then being right. at Oklahoma, uh, three seasons, you know what you got. This is this is on Lincoln Riley. Make this is a big decision for him. Okay, you know he got put up against it and exposed. Let, let's just call it as it is. Right. So right now he's getting adversity all year long. All they got was roses and love and he's the greatest and you know he's compensated very heavily okay he has a great skill he you know i said caleb williams and we talked about this the guy was a magic man he made more plays in one year than most quarterbacks make in their entire career Okay, so Joe Barry, 52, Jim Leonard, 40. So I know Leonard's probably uh, not that guy carrying the golf clubs. What about Joe Barry? Why would he be a great fit? And would he come out of an NFL job to you know go back to the collegiate ranks? Well, I think here's the thing. He knows Southern California. His dad, Mike Barry, was an offensive line coach in Colorado and at SC. And, and Joe Barry's a, a guy that's a legacy at USC. Now, you know, this is a, a big deal in regards to everyone saying, well, you know, you can't hire a USC guy. Well, I think it's lacking. I think it's severely lacking. Dante Williams has not shown any ability to be a difference maker. He's a good recruiter. Uh, we, we know that. But, again, the players that have come in, it's a different game. And Barry has the maturity. You know, he started out. Um, he, he was at Michigan. Then he transferred to, to SC. G8SC, Northern Arizona, UNLV, Niners, Tampa Bay Bucks, Lions, Tampa, SC, San Diego Chargers, Redskins, Rams, Packers. He's not been in college since his days at UNLV. That's there. But again, recruiting is different now than it was when everyone was strictly a collegiate guy. And from that standpoint, the way the portal works, You've got a whole personnel department that's working towards recruiting the heck out of players who you think fit your system. And if you've been a defensive coordinator in the NFL, um, I think it's an opportunity for uh, someone who has an SC pedigree uh, to return back to L.A. I don't think he's going to be a head coach in the league. I I just don't feel that's going to happen for him. He may be a head coach in college someday. Uh, I know that's probably a goal of his. But uh, I would just be a name to look at. And that's um, the only reason I'm saying that is that he's a coordinator in the National Football League, one of 32. He knows defense. He has toughness. And he has experience in University Park. No doubt about it. And he does have the uh, lay of the land there, playing his last few years at Southern Cal after transferring from Michigan and, of course, was a grad assistant defensive line coach there at Southern Cal way back '95. 95. Uh, real quick, I do have a good buddy that uh, texted me and said, your guy knows all about Southern California. Ask him who's the best football player to ever play at my alma mater, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Cal Poly slow, huh? Okay. Yeah, who's, the, who's the most Who's the most famous guy that played there? Uh, San Luis Obispo. I would say it was either John Madden. You know, you could or, stop right there. You could stop yeah, right there. There you go, you know, <laughs> Chuck. I, I, I love think, you, man. I think that's you know again the legend of him and and what that meant. I don't know if he was the best athlete to come out of there. He would say that he wasn't. I'm sure. But he's probably the most famous. Yeah, no doubt about it. 
great job, man. Coach Madden. I mean, I miss watching those games with him. And again, I, just like I miss Keith Jackson. Oh, yeah. uh, it, you know, there's there's certain pl- people. And Some rolling Madden. Right Some rolling Madden for sure. You know, YouTube now is such a gift, Ken, to be able to go back and and hear their voices and yep. you know and and just feel it. You know, that's something that. Uh, is something that, you know, everyone looks at. And, again, I spend a lot of time, you know, at SoFi and in the Coliseum, and you see a lot of broadcasters, and I put my guy Pete Arbogast up with any of them in regards to a call of the game. You know, he's got great pipes, his passion, and I love people. And he's an unabashed homer at USC. I love Chris Chris Roberts when he was at UCLA. Another yeah, I know good Chris friend. well, yeah. Yep, yeah, I, I know Ted Chris Light, really well. Ted Leitner. I know and, Ted uh, for a long time. I, I, and, I watched Ted Leitner in San Diego. At San Diego, at San Diego yep. State. Those are, those are fun. Yep. You don't want that in the NFL necessarily. It, it happens. It happens. Uh, Bill King with the Raiders for many, many years. Um, down here in Los Angeles, uh, just so many great play-by-play guys. Uh, it's just part of it. You know, and, and you really look at For me, the, the Cotton Bowl was always Lindsey Nelson. Or yes. Frank Gleber. Uh, those were guys, you know, you, the Rose, you had Kurt Gowdy, and, of course, you had um, Brent Musburger and, and Keith. And, and these are all part of it. Uh, Dick Enberg uh, doing so many years. And then uh, just tremendous. I mean, this is the link that we talk about in this game, why we love it so much. No doubt about it. Chuck Hayes, my guest. Follow him on Twitter at CAHIronMan7, the number seven. And uh, Chuck Hayes, just great content. And knows not only Southern Cal and Northern Cal and all over California, but he knows college football all over the country, the lay of the land, the history, and I love it. And I just love talking sports with Chuck. Uh, I want to get into the NFL in a, a real quick. Before we go to break, I do want to get your take. Have you ever been around anything that stopped a game to where uh, there was endangerment of, of, a, of a player's you know, life uh, like we saw with DeMar Hamlin? on the uh, Monday night game with Cincinnati Buffalo. Uh, have you ever been part of anything like that to where you were there as a, as a fan or somebody covering the game to where you saw anything to that, uh, maybe not to that magnitude, but something similar? Spring football, USC. It was, um, they wanted one more. Coaches wanted one more. And uh, they ran a blast play inside. And the tailback at the time was Michael Allo who was a tremendous, tremendous player out of Banning High School here in uh, the South Bay of Los Angeles, a big-time recruit, five-star player. His teammate was a guy by the name of Danny Andrews and went to uh, UCLA. In the hole, uh, Michael was a little bit shorter. He was about 5'9", and he, was, he got stood up in the hole, and he took a shot right to the head. It would have been called targeting today, but it was just a, a zip-zap play, and he was out on his feet when he fell and so he falls to the ground and you know players get up and he's laying flat on his face and the trainers immediately come out and they're checking to see if he's breathing they move the drill they run one last play and then they say take it in well no one leaves everyone comes around and gets on a knee to see what happened to michael so they bring out the, the backboard, and um, they take the time to roll him over, tape his head, cut his face mask off, 
cut his jersey off all the time. He's not moving. And everyone's just down on a knee praying. And it was the most surreal thing that I'd ever seen. Um, later on, he um, he got feeling back in, in his body and his arms and, and, you know, his neck and everything. But it was really touch and go for a while. And it was not for the great athletic training staff at USC. I don't know what would have happened to Michael that day. Now, Michael, because of that injury, never came back to USC as a player. And it was a sad thing because he could have been one of the great ones. He was a phenomenal, phenomenal player at Banning High School. Had all kinds of records when they were just the, the class of the city section. So, yeah, uh, it's scary. Um, it's a tough game, Ken. We see it from, you know, in North Dallas 40 or any given Sunday, they always draw that attention of the ownership and the, and the rich ones in the skyboxes while the violence is going down on the field and how removed they are because of the cocktails and the shrimp and the carrot cake, if you understand what I'm going with that. Yep, yep. That it's entertainment like it's a movie. No, it's real life. And uh, these players lay it out on the line every time they go out there. And we complain about salaries and we hear this or that. They earn every dime that they make. They earn every single dime. Yep, and of course you and I just kid when uh, Chuck Hayes, the only player that has died on the field at an NFL game with the Detroit Lions. In fact, he only got in that game uh, because one of the other receivers had gotten hurt, so he ends up going in there. He did have a 38-yard or 37-yard uh, catch in that game, and then you know he too lying you know face down, and it was against the Chicago Bears. And there's a picture that you can actually see with uh, Dick Butkus. You know, with his hands on his hips, looking down at him, and you know, back then, you know, I mean, there was none of that helping guys up from the other team or even any compassion at all. It was, you know, as tough as you are. I mean, they. In fact, when you look at the picture, that you can go check it out if you look up Chuck Hayes and just put up images. You Chuck see Hughes, Butkus, uh, Ken. Don't, Chuck don't Hughes. Get, I'm sorry. Don't, don't Chuck, get me there yet. Okay. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, Chuck Hughes. Uh, but you can see Butkus standing there. And rather intimidating, and it's just, it's just a really, really sad situation. But he's the only player that we know that has died on the field in an NFL game. And so, you know, right away I thought of that because I remember I was a little kid and I remember my dad was saying, wow, that was, you know, shocking that, you know, somebody that actually died on the field. And not only that, they had taken him off the field and uh, then they finished the game. So... I remember that Sunday very well. I was living in Connecticut, and that night, on that Sunday night, I used to listen to Stockton on Sports on WBZ in Boston. And since there was not Internet there or knowing what was going on, Dick Stockton, a great talk show host, uh, a guy that did local sports in Boston, and, of course, nationally for CBS, had all the inside, talked to people in Detroit, uh, Chuck Hughes' background, he was from UTEP, uh, previously known as Texas Western. And, of course, the other great receiver to come out of UTEP, number 13 for the New York Jets. Don, Don Maynard, Maynard, baby. Don Maynard. Yeah, yeah I did, I did uh, some Super Bowl shows with Don Maynard, man. Here, here's a real – well, you know what? I'll give you a great Don Maynard line when, I, when we come back to wrap things up, Chuck, because we'll have about uh, eight, nine minutes on the other side, but just a great story from Don Maynard, just a class act he was. Uh, you'd never think that the guy would, would be such a good receiver, just a, a skinny guy, but always wore his cowboy boots and from El Paso and just had that Texas 
twang that uh, that Texas draw. But I'll tell you a, a quick Don Maynard deal when we get back. Sportex Radio finishing things up here on a hump day on a Wednesday night. Again, thanks thanks to uh, Mark Lawrence, thanks to Arthur DeCesar, and of course my producer Mark Hoke, and of course Chuck Hayes. And uh, sorry to mix him up there with Chuck Hughes, uh, the only NFL player to die on the field way back in 1971 for the Detroit Lions. KT live at Steiner's come back, wrap things up. You're listening to SportsX Radio 101.5 FM, KDWN Odyssey. Be right back. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping. With folks like me on the job from 9 to 5. Working All right, little Dolly Parton, our last bumper music as we come back, wrap things up here at SportsX Radio. Wide array of genres there from my good pal, producer Mark Hoke. Mark Hoke's show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. You like professional wrestling, you'll love the Mark Hoke show. Give it a listen. Uh, real quick, before I get back with Chuck Hayes and wrap things up, uh, the last two hockey games final, Minnesota 5-1, they beat Tampa Bay, stays under the total 6.5, and, and Anaheim got those two goals early and made them hold up. Shut out Dallas in Orange County, 2-0, the final, a plus 200 on the Anaheim Ducks. Meanwhile, the last basketball game from the Lawler Event Center up in Reno, 80-69, Nevada knocks off Colorado State, minus 4, easy cover, win it by 11, total 141, game hits 149, so it does get up and over the total. And then in the NBA, the last three games, all three-point finals. Hawks 120 to 117. They win in Sacramento. They were plus two, so they get the cover. Game stays under. Lakers 112 109. They come back and beat the Heat at home. Eight and a half point dogs. Nice effort by the Lakers in L.A. tonight. Game also staying under the total. And then the Pistons break the Warriors' winning streak with a 122 119 win in San Francisco. They were plus seven. Didn't need it. Total was 232. Game flies over the total as well. And uh, that a final look at the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard. Chuck, I uh, uh, remember doing a couple. Uh, Super Bowl shows with Don Maynard, and I just loved him, man. And he talked about when he was uh, at the end of the year with the Jets, and he said the thing with, uh, you know, the Jets back then, he said nobody outside of Namath was getting a core, uh, contract that was, you know, more than one year. So he said you had to go in and you had to sit down with uh, general manager Weeb Eubank, and you had to sit there, and he said, and Weeb's little short, stocky guy and uh, never missed a meal type guy, and then Don, the skinny Texan, you know, lanky, lean receiver, uh, out of El Paso would sit there across from the table and he says now Don you need to write down what you think you're worth and then I'll tell you what I think you're worth and we'll slide back the paper and we come to a conclusion you know if we can then uh, you'll be a member of the uh, of, of the New York Jets football team for another year and he said all right, Coach. So, you know, of course, Weebank, uh, Weebank starts that out and, and sends over, you know, some minuscule salary. So, of course, Maynard, who actually was one of the first, I think, six-figure guys in the uh, AFL uh, transitioning to the NFL, uh, sends it back. And, of course, Weeb's eyes get just like, are, are, are you, like, kind of like, are you serious? You know, and then, so they go back and forth. And he said it took about five, six minutes. You know, they're going back and forth. And he said, finally, he goes, Eubank stands up and he goes, well, Don, congratulations. It's great to have you as a member of the New York Football Jets for another season. And so Don would, you know, he grabs his cowboy hat and he's walking out in his cowboy boots and, and uh, he's about, he puts his hand on the door and he says, he hears, he hears uh, uh, Weeb say, 
Now, Don, don't be going to the locker room now and telling all them other boys what you're making now. And uh, Don turns around in his Texas drawer and says, Coach? He says, uh, he goes, uh, I, I, I don't know if he's called him coach, but he just said, he said, don't worry. I'm just ashamed of it as you are. And he walked out because that, that was it. But that was in the early days when he started out with the Jets. But it was funny. And, of course, you know, just some of the guys that you and I have been around, uh, to hear them tell some of the great stories that they've told, it's so much fun. And just to recollect, and I know sometimes as I get older and I go try and go 100 miles an hour, you know, I make mistakes here and there uh, and have to go back. So thanks for uh, correcting me on the uh, Chuck Hughes, Chuck Hayes deal. I know it was so close uh, to hitting home there for you. So sorry about that. But real quick, because, Chuck, we only have about two minutes I want to get your take on uh, uh, just a, a couple big games this week and I uh, can't really get into them in detail but what about Buffalo New England because if New England wins they're in Buffalo needs to keep that home field advantage alive and of course we don't know what will transpire whether or not they'll finish that game with Cincinnati the following week and move the playoffs back whatever it is but what's your take on New England going to Buffalo well again I think New England and, and this is um, a big game for Mac Jones I think this is one of those make or break in regards to this this league right now. And, and, you know, the quarterback position is so key. I think this is a playoff game without it being a playoff game. We're at some of those games, can you know this? And and how Belichick prepares, uh, the Bills are a wreck emotionally. You, you, you know, you feel for them as a football team. Hopefully there's uh, positive news continuing that they can lean upon. But this has been an emotional week. And remember, they didn't play that game. They only played like a quarter. And so they're right now going through what it is as an organization. And uh, New England, uh, very, you know, Belichick is, is great in these scenarios. Great stuff, Chuck. Uh, Lions Packers Sunday night game. Uh, real quick, just tell me who wins. Green Bay's minus four and a half against Detroit Sunday night game. And uh, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers beats Jared Goff. All right, there you go, and that'll be the Sunday night game. Again, Detroit could be playing for a playoff spot if Seattle does lose to the Rams. Ken Thompson, Chuck Hayes, appreciate you big time, Chuck. We'll do it next Wednesday. We'll get into the games a lot more and uh, really appreciate those some of the stories. And I know you've got a lot of fans here in the Vegas Valley. They really enjoy you on Wednesday nights. Thanks for coming back, and Happy New Year to you, pal. Appreciate it. Talk to you Saturday night on the USC Trojan Talk with Coach Harvey Hyde. Thank you so there much. You go. Love Chuck Hayes, man. Just a great guy. Appreciate all you listeners out there. Follow the show at SportsX Radio at Ken Thompson 87. Tomorrow night, Throwback Thursday, Andy Isco in studio. Hoping to have Jose Volante on the Friday football fiasco. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Steiner's Ken Thompson SportsX Radio. Talk to you tomorrow night. Have a great evening. Good night, everybody.